the idea of this presentation is, well, I'll put it this way. What I want you to take away from it is that you want to use these stories as an example of what not to do and really understand the importance of best practices and how to take your mistakes in stride. And welcome to Checkmates Go, Season 2, Episode 34. Before we get too deep into the episode, I just want to highlight the fact that we've changed the service that we use to provide the podcast to you. Hopefully, you will not notice a difference, but if you do, you might want to just double check that the RSS feed has changed over to the new URL, and I will put a link to that in the show notes so that you can confirm it for yourself. And of course, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then it's probably all going to work and you won't notice a thing. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Stacy Dunn, who is a security engineer for Checkpoint out of Oklahoma, and she also is one of our Checkmates ambassadors. She put together an event I thought would be really cool to share as a podcast, and we have some stories from people in IT that, well, we've all had our bad days, and, well, these people were brave enough to tell their story. Over the next few weeks, we will share these stories as part of the Checkmates Go podcast. Stacy continues introducing the event herself, and two of our speakers, Stephen Hockey and Joe Sullivan. A pro tip, if anyone, especially anyone in IT, tells you that they've never made a mistake or they just say, you know, they do everything perfectly, they're a liar, first of all. And you'll thank me for that knowledge later. Um, And to expand on that statement, so really everything that we do in life, especially when it comes to working, uh, is, is... It's a learning experience. You know, technology is no different. And I always like to say, there's more that we don't know, especially when it comes to technology. And when it comes to conscious decisions, we can only make a mistake once. Anytime after that, it's a choice. So to introduce myself, I'm Stacey Dunn. Uh, Some of you already know me, some of you don't. Some of you are customers of mine. Some of you are from Checkmates, or maybe you saw this on LinkedIn from someone else sharing it. Uh, I'm a security engineer. I'm based out of here in Oklahoma. Um, I have a degree in fine arts, weirdly enough. You can see my easel kind of behind me. Uh, The canvas that's actually on there is, I used it as signage for my uh, video game art show, Oklahoma Arcade. Uh, It's actually a charitable video game art show, just to put that out there. And that's, I change it every time and reuse that canvas. So I'm real good on recycling. But anyway, uh, I was recently ordained as a Checkmates ambassador, and this is my very first Checkmates event. Um, And if you already don't know, Checkmates is our online community for all Checkpoint customers, partners, and security experts alike. And we use our site, uh, community.checkpoint.com, to learn, share, and inspire one another every day. And I would like to say that the people that I have collected as speakers uh, for this event are a lot of amazing professionals. I see them all as trusted advisors. Some of them are probably really annoyed of how trusted of an advisor they are to me because they go to them a lot for a lot of different reasons. Um, And they all have their own strengths and perspectives to offer. And on the note of strength, I would like to allow our very first expert to introduce themselves and tell their story. And that's gonna be Stephen Hockey. Hi, my name is Stephen Hockey. Everyone just calls me Hockey. Um, I'm the senior system administrator for a pretty large um, energy company. We're primarily located in the 
Delaware Basin, which is kind of your Texas, bits of Oklahoma, uh, New Mexico area. Previous to that, I was an MSP for many years, and I actually have two quick stories to tell you, uh, one of them from this week. So <laughs> Oklahoma got hit with some of its worst ice storms since tw- uh, 2007. Uh, this is because 2020 is the year that just keeps on giving. So a data center um, where there, there was a data center and the generator on site was not maintained by IT staff. It was part of the building operator. And they always told them that, hey, this, this is a natural gas generator. And so natural gas generator, you really don't have to worry a whole lot about that. If you lose natural gas in an ice storm, you have bigger things to worry about than, you know, keeping your data center alive. Um, So everything was going good until about 30 hours in, and then the generator just stopped. And then everything fell to UPS power. And so there was a scramble to try and figure out, you know, what's going on? Is the generator broken? Like, this is not good. There's ice everywhere. Trees are still falling. Uh, Turns out, said generator was actually diesel, and it just ran out of gas. So, you know, this company had to power down a lot of their OKC data center wing to, you know, reduce power load on the UPS and figure out how you can shuffle stuff. Uh, Data centers aren't too effective without power. So... The, the takeaway from that is always verify that your generator is whatever. If you didn't install it yourself or oversee it, make sure whoever runs it, make sure they're not just blind to you. Make sure it's actually natural gas or if it's diesel, you're going to need a lot of diesel. But the main story that I was going to tell when I was invited to this event was back in 2017 when I was still an MSP back before COVID and uh, they were just better times. There was, I got a call and it's like, Hey, there's this company we haven't done any work for them, but they're reaching out to us. It's like, they can't access anything on their server. They say it's running. There are lights on it. It looks good, but they can't access anything. So I grab my bag and everything and I head out and then I get a text message about halfway there. It's like, well, they can see files, but they have a weird extension on them. And so everyone knows exactly what that is. I see some faces shaking their head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the story gets better. So I get there. And remember, this is about 2017. And their computer's up front. They're all still Windows XP. I was like, okay, this isn't a good sign. It's not the worst. They should have been migrated newer. But that uh, Windows XP was still, I think Windows XP was dead. I forget when its end of life was, but. Shouldn't have been on those machines. So they show me to the server room. And this is a furniture company. They make these really ornate tables and chairs and everything. And the quality and the craftsmanship is there, but it's not a style that I would ever, I would ever buy. So their server room was right behind where they did all like the cutting for the woods And the walls were just covered in sawdust. Like you could just run your finger through it and there's like a quarter inch. So I go into this hellish landscape and I see their server. And I wish I could have a picture of it. I don't think I can share it. It is a compact Presario 3000. 
first of all, Compaq hasn't been a thing in the U.S. for a while since they got bought by HP. And that is, if you don't know off the top of your head, a Pentium 3-based server. It was released in 1999. It was running Windows 2000 server, um, and it had last been patched in, like, 2007. And that went end of support in 2010. So the first thing I go, well, what do your backups look like? And they go, well, we have this tape drive thing. And I go, well, would you have tapes? Do you ever change it? And they're like, no, we just, like, we just left it in there. Okay, this is great. So I look at their backups, and their last backup was 2012. This is 2017. So they haven't had backups in five years. I get in there and everything has been crypto lock. One of the, uh, the owner's sister was browsing coupons or something. I don't know, Bonzi Buddy on one of the computers up front. They had a whole bunch of stuff mapped. Obviously, you know, admin, admin, password, password kind of ordeal. Their entire database got just completely everything was crypto locked. You know, I try to do my due diligence, uh, see if there are any of the, uh, the keys online so I could unlock it. And it was nothing. It was a loss. I was like, I can't do in the, the backup from 2012 was corrupt. So I couldn't even back anything up. But I was like, look, you're just going to have to start from scratch. Um, which they were a pretty decent sized company, but I will give them credit. They did, you know, we got them set up with a new server and everything. And we got them set up with a new point of sale and inventory. And they went through and put everything back in. So that was impressive. But the story gets even better. So I'm on like a monthly rotation. I go out there once a month and make sure everything looks good. And then after a while, you know, we were a smaller company. So it's like, hey, they're not paying their bill. They're not paying it on time. And then finally, they just disappear from my calendar altogether. And I was like, well, that's weird. What happened to this company? You know, I didn't think too much of it. A couple of months go past, and then I uh, started to transition into my new job. But a couple of weeks before I started my new gig, I get a call from some random number. And it's this, it's this kid, and he's all like, hey. And I say literally kid. He was in, like, high school. He's like, hey, I know, you know, so-and-so over here at this company. Um, I'm going to be doing their IT. Can you show me what you did? And I go, well, I left, you know, kind of instructions of how things work and all the passwords. And he's like, well, I don't, he's like, you know, I, I know computers. He's like, I built a gaming computer, but that's about it. So this company that had been crypto locked, lost everything, had to start over, thought we were too expensive and hired someone that they knew from high or their kids went to high school and they're like, oh, I've got a buddy that's really good with, uh, with computers, sorry, I got my, my Halloween cat here, to, to take over their entire business. So I tried to help him. You know, he didn't know anything about networking or security or anything. And I was spoon feeding him until I started my new job. And I was like, look, I was like, all the notes are at my company. You can call them. Whoever the new me is will be happy to come out and show you. And then, and then I, I, I quit that job and surprisingly, I still see them on Facebook, but I have no idea how their anything is staying up at this point because they, 
they lost everything and they didn't learn their lesson. So I look back on that and I'm still just, just flabbergasted by it that a company would be just so careless to, to risk everything again. He's, he's uh, in, in the best Halloween fashion. <laughs> he's wanting your attention. That was great. So, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Tell us, tell us so, what the lesson is. Uh, yeah. So the, you know, the lesson, I think I mentioned with the, uh, with the generators, it's always, always double check what someone tells you. And then the other one with that company is like, I don't know what lesson there is. Cause I tried to point them in. You can, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And at that point, you know, if your company has no care for security at all, like you're just, you're just waiting for something like this to happen again. But if you're a rational company, you know, you'd want to set up patching and backups and then use some, you know, checkpoint has software to detect ransomware, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as a file gets encrypted, you can get alerts and you can shut that down. That's what a normal, a normal person would do. But in this case, it was just, mm-hmm. it was, it was crazy how, how reckless it was. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and that is true. We do have our, uh, you know, our anti-ransomware bit blade as part of our endpoint protection. It even has um, these little partitions that it creates for your file. So once it does see that behavior and see that encryption process, it actually stops it and reverts it back to that original um, file, which is really, really cool. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that terrible story with us. Like I, I can like, I feel that one of my bones of just how much people can ignore just basic security stuff. Um, you know, if, if you don't have that, those basic steps, you can't be, you know, interesting or innovative. And on that same note, uh, someone that is very interesting and innovative is Joe Sullivan. Joe, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, it's a, my segue for you. I will try to be interesting and innovative as I introduce myself. <laughs> that's a that's some big shoes to fill there. <laughs> it's a hard story to follow too there, Hockey. So my name is Joe Sullivan. I got in information security way back during the dot-com boom. I went to work for a web hosting company when security was, really wasn't on the radar, right? We were putting servers online with uh, Telnet enabled, not on VLANs, public-facing internet. And it was an awesome time. You learn incident response really fast going down that road. Uh, but the story I have to tell, though, was about a company I worked with, uh, I worked for here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And this is a mistake I personally made, which was lots of fun. So I've been at this particular organization approximately a week, week and a half. Now, the business model of this company is consumer electronics drop shipping. You have two huge warehouses that are joined together, wall to wall, consumer electronics, all the way nearly to the ceiling. And what happens is your major online retailers use this company to ship out their consumer electronics products. So if you go to that big retailer online and order, let's say an iPod case or uh, an Apple iPhone case, it actually prints out in this warehouse and they pick it off the shelf, put it in a box, put a label on it. It looks like it came from that online retailer, right? And it ships out. So approximately 10 to 12 UPS trucks a day leave this warehouse with all this product. So one particular day, I'm at lunch, and I come back, and uh, the VP, she catches me as I'm walking back to my desk and says, hey, we just had a term. I need you to remove this person's account. I'm like, do you want their data or anything like that? She says, no, delete them off the system. I want them gone immediately. 
cool. I go up to my desk. It's an AIX system, right? I got this. I am a Linux ninja. I know Unix, Linux inside and out. I've been doing this for years. No problem. User Dale-R, username. And I wait. And this command's still running. And it's still running. And I'm like, hmm, this is weird. Then that sound that every IT professional dreads, the phones start ringing. Yeah, that starts happening. Like, oh, that that can't be good. Control C, break out of it. And I'm just sitting there, like, looking around. No, directory's there. It's nothing in it. Should be good. And then uh, learn that the database is down. The entire ERP system that runs the organization is offline. No one can connect, can't enter orders, can't manifest, can't see inventory. So we spent about three hours on the phone with the vendor who created this. It was created an old system called PIC, uh, PIC database, really old, right? Uh, so there's not a lot of people fluent in this language, except the programmer that they have there and the developer that writes all the code and the queries and uh, interfaces and the menus. So we're going through this and like, wow, your database has been deleted. What, was, was, what happened? Did you get a logic bomb or something go off? So we're investigating because they had released an employee. And uh, I'm talking about what I did earlier. I'm like, wait a minute, you deleted a user? I'm like, well, yeah, just deleted the user. I'm like, what did you do? I said, user del-r username deletes their home directory recursively. All their data is gone, just like the VPS bar. Oh, this particular database, when you connect over the terminal session, it drops the user into the database directory as their home directory, right? It launches the database from there. So when I issued that command, it takes out the entire database. That's just awesome. That's a really bad way of doing things. So we had to restore from backup, but it gets better, right? You think you could restore from backup and you'd be up and running all good? No, we have no manifest, nothing back. We lost all that data. So we're on the phone with UPS. Hey, all those trucks we sent, could you bring those back? So we were there till about five o'clock in the morning, unloading all these trucks, re-inventorying this, re-manifesting this, scanning these orders in, reloading the trucks. And this is like my, my first week and a half on this particular job. Like, yeah, as soon as we get this done, I, I'm, I'm out of here, right? Fortunately, it didn't go that way. Um, to make matters worse, though, that same thing happened approximately a month ago in a different context. Uh, someone deleted the database by issuing a wildcard command. So uh, I was tasked with making sure that never happened again, right? So what I did was I wrote a script that dropped the uh, user into a different directory. So if you deleted their directory, it wouldn't delete the database directory, fortunately. And it kind of, it went well from there. So that lesson learned is don't assume every system set up like it should be. Uh, there's a developer somewhere, someplace that will take a shortcut that will uh, make your day miserable, really miserable, right? Um, good backups were important. We also changed the setup for that. So we actually had uh, uh, incremental snapshots throughout the day using rsync because the, uh, this company literally spent more on coffee and donuts than it did uh, inf uh, information security or backup. And I'm not joking. Every Friday they would buy coffee and donuts for their whole company, but they wouldn't invest in a, a good firewall. The firewall they had actually built from CentOS and IP tables in Squid to, to keep them secure and they wouldn't buy a, a, real, a real firewall, right? So uh, there was a lot of things that could have been done better. So we set up rsync to send the uh, data periodically, like every three hours to a disk array. So we had at least some reco uh, recovery of the data that was within the past few hours, made things a little better. 
So that was probably my, one of my biggest mistakes. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes like that throughout my career and never lost my job. The key to that was, is always own your mistakes. Stand up and go, yep, that's me. I did it. My fault. I won't do that again. And here's my plan how I won't do that again, right? You always want to have that follow-up. If you just say, I'm sorry, that's not going to be good enough. You've got to show how you're not going to make that same mistake. Um, definitely there, own your mistakes. That's, that's the best advice I could give someone. Like one more story, and I'll close this out, was uh, I worked for an organization that had a, uh, they would use a particular vendor to provide a really important function at their customer's interface on their website. And this goes into vendor management. Uh, what we didn't know when we signed the contract was the particular vendor we were doing business with had actually bought their infrastructure and hardware from a previous company and was housing a data center. So this is a company that had been purchased by the vendor we signed a contract with. What we didn't know is that they didn't do their due diligence on the, in, the infrastructure they bought. So these servers they had in a data center someplace were actually under lease, still under the old vendor's name that they purchased. And they weren't paying the bill. And this was in court at the time. And there was a lot of argument, well, we're not going to pay for this. This should have been included in uh, the acquisition. You know, we should be responsible for this. And the judge issued an order to go repossess that equipment that day. And all of a sudden, this made this important function for all these customers just poof, went away, offline, wouldn't work. Get to digging into it and like, oh, yeah, we're having an issue. We actually bought the company and the, that hardware, the data center, it's now uh, in the possession of the sheriff's department in that area. So the question you have to answer now is, that's our customer's data on that server. It's no longer under your control. That's technically a breach, right? We don't have access to that. I don't, are you encrypting it? We don't know. Always do your vendor management. Always check your legal background. Make sure they own the infrastructure and it's not, it's not under contention some way. Uh, that's my horror stories for the day. Those, yeah, those are really bad too. Like, I keep I keep getting this moment of where I'm having like heart palpitations <laughs> when people tell their their stories. Um, and I mean, as you know, I kind of did something similar in relevance to deleting databases. You know, you had a lot of empathy for me. I feel like um, whenever I deleted that endpoint database that one time, you were very understanding. Uh, but yeah. luckily, I was able to back that up again. You know, we're having these same themes of double check, back it up, have the right protections, you know, have firewalls. Um, and man, it's, these are things that, as we're saying, like, it's obvious, not everyone does this. Thanks for listening to Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, give us a rating and review, and share with your colleagues on social media. Thanks for listening.